The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the hit show, Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Each show, Rossi, a.k.a. Chef Rossi, and author of the hit memoir, The Raging Skillet, mouths off about different subjects in a pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up our minds. Look out. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth using the subject of each show as a framework for uplifting, inspiring, and what exuberant conversations. So get ready for that appetizer that will wet your whistle as we lean into the main course of the day. Issues, conversations, things that are heavy on your minds, but lightening up your heart and ending each show off with that sweet, sweet, sweet dessert of inspiration. Now, here is your host, Chef Rossi. Chef, you there? Hey, Dr. Pat. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. What is it? What are we talking about today? Here it is, everybody. The Great Pride Ride. This is, of course, if you have not, uh, if you're not heard it, the month of June here and in a lot of places, not every place. I think California, they mix it up a little bit. This is Gay Pride. And we are going to be talking about it. We're going to talk about it. In a world laced with homophobia, and yep, it does feel a bit worse lately. Not a bit, a whole lot. A whole lot. A whole lot. It's hard to feel proud of who you are when you're gay. Um, and you know, we're starting to see everything from, I don't have to make you a cake in Colorado to, uh, laws being passed to discriminate. So for those of you listening who really care about human rights, get online and start to Google the states that actually forget about the whole gay friendly thing that, that, that is so yesterday but look at the laws where people are protected because it's not just about being gay. It's about human rights. Uh, Chef Rossi and I are talking about gay pride and what does it mean to keep your head up high and get on the ride? What does it mean to you, Chef? You know what? It's so important for a thousand different ways. Look, historically, you know, we in the gay community have had a rough time. I mean, there was a a point in our history not so long ago when it was illegal to have uh, same sex, you know, with someone, and you could get arrested and thrown in jail. I mean, the whole Stonewall riots happened because the cops were raiding the Stonewall of the gay bars, and the drag queens fought back. I mean, we love our drag queens. I mean, now it's inconceivable to think, or is it, you know, that you could be arrested for making love to your partner. Thank God marriage equality passed, and we can now get federal benefits, and we can now marry uh, marry the one we love and all of that. And for a little while there, you know, it really, really, really felt like we were making it, that people all around the country were ready to say love is love. And thank, thank God for the late, great, wonderful Edie Windsor, who I had the pleasure of meeting twice, both times with my girlfriend, Lydia, and we found her to be powerful. I knew, I knew the moment I saw her on the television that marriage equality was going to pass because 
saying no to Edie Windsor is like saying no to Betty White. She was just too adorable. So for a while there, it seemed like we were on top of the world. We had Obama, who genuinely seemed to really care about gay rights. We had marriage equality. There was acceptance spreading like a wave of love. And then it all came crashing down. Um, now the person who shall go nameless is in the White House, has appointed homophobic person after homophobic person to be in his cabinet. His vice president is famously homophobic. And for the second year in a row, he simply refuses to acknowledge gay pride. And it's unbelievable. He will simply not even say happy gay pride. He refuses to make the proclamation. It's not like he doesn't have time. I mean, he's got loads of time to do all sorts of terrible things. But he will not acknowledge gay pride for the second year in a row. Other presidents who are much more wonderful, um, Obama in particular, Mm -hmm. painted the White House in rainbow. But Trump will not even acknowledge it. And so, oh, I said his name. Well, there you have it. (laughs) There you have it. Anyway, it's like, well, you think, well, maybe he's too busy to mention gay pride or to announce or give a proclamation at gay pride, and yet he wasn't too busy to announce that this June is the Great Outdoors Month and June is National Homeownership Month. Um, June is National Ocean Month, despite the fact that he wants to get rid of regulations to keep our oceans safe and pure, but I digress. But No, he couldn't possibly acknowledge this as Gay Pride Month, even though everyone else in the country knows June is Gay Pride Month. And why? Why can't he do that? Because he's playing to his base. Because he has a lot of conservative, Christian, right-wing people who he feels he owes, and he has to kind of keep licking up to them. Mm -hmm. Um, You would think maybe somebody who supposedly is so strong and supposedly so proud and supposedly so righteous uh, wouldn't have such a brown nose, but there you have it. Now, I think the fact that our White House is not friendly to us, the fact that the gay and lesbian community was removed from websites on the White House the second 45 got into office, Um, it means that we have to be even louder and we have to be even bolder and we have to be even more righteous and proud. So if we can't count on our government to protect us, then we have to work twice as hard to protect ourselves. And what we need is we need heroes. We need people to stand up and fight for us, of course, but the biggest hero is going to be ourselves. We can mm-hmm. be very, very, very loud when we want to be. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that, and this has really been my opinion for a lot of years, and I've seen it, Jeff, and so have you seen it. You know, what happens is people come together and there's something so powerful as what happens when people come together. And they come together because in life, and let's talk about this, in life, you experience some absolutely horrific, hateful things, and something gets triggered, something happens, and 
if you want to go back in time, and this is one of those times in history again, you know, right. it, it we're at the we're at we're not quite at the tipping point. We're not at like the Stonewall. We're not at like what happened in New York City decades ago. We're not there. Um, we're you know we're still we're not quite in the public with uh, you know having a young gay man uh, hooked up on barbed wire in the fence of some midwestern right. town. So we're not right. there. Right. Um, we're not in Matthew Shepard land. We're not in Matthew Shepard land, uh, but we are in, oh my gosh, the military. What? You've given your life and you can't be, so we're there, but we're not at the point of, oh my gosh, this is beyond us. So we're not at the point where we're going to come together and we're going to do something. I was in New York. When Ed Koch was mayor, do you remember that? I'm I'm a little bit sure, older than you. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, I remember when, Ed very that, well. Yeah, Ed could not recognize HIV, AIDS, nothing. Well, actually, there's no problem here, right? I mean, how many people died? But what happened? The the people in well, community. There were a lot of theories about that. That may exactly. Maybe Maybe, maybe, maybe Mr. Ed's sexuality was a little bit similar right. to Mr. Pence's sexuality. We That's right. We won't say but, what that is, but that could have a no. lot to do with it. But people came together. So here's the thing, Chef. Why aren't people coming together on this? That's really surfing the wave a little bit. You know, is it, is it that we're so bombarded with so many other horrific things. And we are coming together almost on that. I sent a letter to uh, Chuck Schumer. And I said to Chuck, uh, Mr. New York Chuck, uh, I I said, have you been to the camp? I call them camps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know what else to call them. Uh, I said, have you been to the camp? Do you know, Chef, and let's talk about this when we come back. Forget about what it is that you are or you think you are, if you're listening, are you proud of who you are? This is the essence of gay pride, isn't it? It's right. no longer keeping your head down. It's no yeah. longer being able to say, oh, man, I hate myself. I, I just don't love myself. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what it means to climb the mountain. What are some of the points, Chef, that you've experienced in your life? that were tipping point, turning points for you. What have you seen to give you such chutzpah that there's just nobody going to be pushing Chef Rossi around today? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with that and a lot more. And we're going to get all caught up on what this means. When you're at the crest of that wave, are you thinking you should turn back? Yeah, try that. We'll be right back. Stay juicy. Tune in to Your Juicy Love with me, Una Drake, co-hosting monthly with Dr. Pat and every second Monday at 12 p.m. on Transformation Talk Radio. My show, Your Juicy Love, helps you find the dynamic, life-affirming love you've always wanted. Transform your relationships and bring peace, joy, and juicy, juicy love to planet Earth. For more information, visit unadrake.com. Darcy Pariso is your connection to spirit, energy, and healing. You can meet Darcy in person at upcoming events throughout Seattle. Do you have questions? 
questions about your animal companions, yourself, or do you desire to communicate with loved ones on the other side? Darcy will connect you and get answers. Darcy can also work with energy healing to help you and your animal companions feel more balanced and recharged. Visit DarcyPariso.com events. This is Debbie Pokornik with a break-free parenting tip. If you haven't been practicing active listening or not getting into some bad habits, it's a good idea to go back to the basics and remind yourself how to be a good listener. Here's an idea that might help. When your child comes to you with a story about her day, set aside whatever you're doing and give her your full attention. If you're in the middle of something that can't be put aside, tell her that you really want to be able to give her story your full attention and ask if you could continue the conversation at a specific time. So for example, this sounds like an important story and I'd really like to give it my full attention. Can we talk about it in 10 minutes when supper's in the oven? Active listening might sound like common sense, but often it's these simple skills that get buried in our parenting pack and easily forgotten or overlooked. Challenge yourself to practice this skill for a full week and see if you notice a difference in how much your child is sharing. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. Are you ready to attract abundance, release stress, look and feel younger, all from your smartphone? Get Pure Light, a free mobile app with audios that transmit powerful frequencies to shift anything in your life. Created by some of the world's top energy healers, these audios have created miracles, often quickly. Enjoy the latest in conscious technology and download Pure Light today. To find out more, visit purelightaudio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So great to have Chef Rossi here. We're catching up with her. As many of you know, uh, Raging Skillet, the play. Amazing. 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 Uh, Wellfleet uh, Harbor Actors Theater, Wellfleet, Massachusetts, one of my favorite places, August 22nd through September 15th. Raging Skillet is one woman's story of cooking her way through some of life's biggest challenges. We're going to be talking about those today. In where? NYC. NYC. Uh, Are you excited about this? This is the coolest thing. Oh, my God. I'm so jazzed. I mean, this whole thing of of my life story becoming a play has been a wild trip. And I had the most amazing five weeks of my life in Hartford, Connecticut, when it ran there. And I think that they were expecting it to be a little bit of a sleepy summer thing. They gave, like, half the staff vacation. They were like, let's just pay the Con Ed bill. But it wound up just being this sold-out smash. It was crazy. And then it came to New York, and Judy Gold played me, which is unbelievable. I can't tell you what a total trip that was. And now it's going to Wellfleet, right next to my favorite place in the world, which is Provincetown, which is a dream come true. We're going to go into previews August 22nd, and then August 24th is the big opening night. And we're going to be rocking Wellfleet all the way till September 15th, which I am so jazzed about, I can't even stand it. I mean, super jazzed. So if you want to talk about gay pride, I mean, Raging Skillet's story 
of a little gay girl punk rocker who manages to climb out of this Orthodox Jewish background with her crazy, over-the-top mother and fly and excel and take off into her own stratosphere. So it's definitely worth seeing for a thousand different reasons. And you don't have to be gay or Jewish to love it, but uh, not bad if you are. Mm. Well, you know, this is really congratulations from all of us to you. I am ready now and waiting for the movie. Oh, that, that's too. what's the next thing. We're going to wait for the movie. That's what we're holding for this. Um, but, you know, you have been very open about what it's like uh, to be gay. And let's talk a little bit about this, if we could. You know, the challenges in this. You, you, you know, I mean, imagine people in love trying to build a powerful, happy life and walk down the street uh, in a city that's supposed to be extremely liberal and end up getting beaten close to death, even today. But this doesn't really get talked about because we were saying earlier, there is the riding the wave. What were some of the low points in your life, Chef? When I was growing up, um, my my parents were... They were older when they had kids, so it was a little bit like being raised by grandparents. And they had very old world, very restrictive religious Jewish values. And there was an enormous double standard. Like my sister and I were not allowed to do anything, and my brother was allowed to do anything he wanted. Um, we weren't allowed to go to write at our movies. We were supposed to button our button to the top button. And we were strongly discouraged from having Christian friends. I mean, it was just endless. So I didn't know that I was gay. I just knew that I was different, and I didn't want any of the things that a lot of the girls in school seemed to want. So I really raged against this and just completely rebelled. And ultimately, because I rebelled, I was shipped off to the Hasidic Jews in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And you can imagine a punk rocker being shipped off to them um, it really was kind of a horrifying, terrible experience, mm -hmm. but it was also kind of hysterical. And I somehow escaped and came out of the closet at the same time, and I've been raging and waving my flag ever since. The pivotal moment was when I was living in Crown Heights, and I had a cute little friend I made in the community, which was a little gay boy named Rodney, and the two of us went to the gay pride parade. And I'd never seen anything like that in my life. It was unbelievable. Just thousands and thousands of mm. gay men and women raving their flags and screaming and hooting and hollering. And I turned to Rodney and I said, Rodney, I think I'm gay. And he's like, girl, are you serious? You are totally gay. <laughs> Just yell it out. Yell it out. So I was like, I'm gay. You know, that was pretty much it. I, Never, ever even considering going in the closet after that. And since then, I've tried to be as loud and as proud as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. But um, in the 80s, when my friends started dropping dead from AIDS, and they seemed to be getting ignored, like we were saying before, by Ed Koch, and Reagan mm -hmm. did a good job ignoring, too. You know, just about everyone seemed to be ignoring this. And a movement came up to do something about it, and the caption of the movement was silence equals death. And that was so true then. Yeah. I never forgot it. So and it's true now. It's 
It's we true now. true now. I think yeah. about that expression all the time, silence equals death. So if you think things are bad and you feel like you're being, you know, hurt and disrespected, you turn on the news and it's all about tearing parents and their children apart from each other that are immigrants, all about refusing to acknowledge gay pride, about trying to ban transgender people from the military. You see all these things on the news and you kind of just want to stay home and hide. You know, you hear about the Supreme Court honoring the religious views of the homophobic Colorado baker who refused to bake a wedding cake for a young gay male couple. You see that you just want to stay home and hide and, and you know, go into, a, and go into the closet. But that is death and silence is death. You have to stand up loud and proud and throw your arms in the air and say, yes, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Work then, works now. And due to the fact that we have a dingleberry in the White House, we have to yell 10 times louder. Mm. Um, I, I want to talk about the silence for a minute, if we could, because you sure. and I were talking a little bit during the break. And sure. I was I was really struck by it. And um you know, I don't do a lot of posts because uh, uh, Facebook, social media, I'm not very good at it. Uh, but when there is something that gets to, you know, gets under my skin a little bit um, and, you know, I, I really have a filter because I think that this network is built on the dignity of the human spirit. At least that's been my vision for that. And yet at the same time, you know, you look outside and there's something about snatching a one-year-old from a mom that just gets under my skin. But I want to ask you about this silence thing. You know, you've experienced this and you've seen it, right? We both have, both of us have. We've seen it. We've seen what happens when we get quiet. I posted a picture um, and it was called The Sounds of Silence. Are we entering into that mode again? Or is it just that I'm not hearing the voices? W what's your sense of it? And, and is that a way that people... Um, get past these hurdles and try to build a happy life, you know, is by simply, I'm not just going to take that on today. What do you think it is, Chef? Well, I think a lot of things are happening right now. Mm -hmm. One is we do seem to not have enough outspoken heroes at the moment. You know, like regardless of what you felt about Obama, Obama mm -hmm. was, a great outspoken hero, and clearly a champion for the underdog. And his wife, oh, my God, I wish she would mm. run. She was so wonderful. I'll never forget when she said, when they go low, we go high. I mean, she was a great mm -hmm. champion for children, for women. She never would have let this thing go on with the kids being torn apart by their mother, the baby torn away from the breastfeeding mother. It, we do have some good people out there, but it's seems like we don't have enough heroes. We don't have enough also very charismatic heroes. Because mm. sometimes you have a great, well-meaning person, 
like Elizabeth Warren as an example. Mm-hmm. She doesn't exactly have that kind of charisma that sways <laughs> people. You know, and it's like we have some horrifying, horrifying people who seem to have charisma. Look, I don't care in the least for the personality of the 45th Dingleberry president, um, but he clearly has charisma because he has got his face, like, licking his feet. Um, we need to have more heroes for the, for the cause of goodness, of humanitarian issues, who want to save the environment and the world, who will speak out and who have also charisma. Unfortunately, the charisma thing is pretty important. Um, in the meanwhile, something I remember thinking, like when those Parkland kids were on the news, they were like my new heroes, because these were teenagers who were sick and tired of, of the fact that their friends were getting killed, and they had to do active shooter drills, and the NRA just wouldn't let anyone do anything about it, and the politicians were all in the pocket of the NRA. They took matters into their own hands, and they started speaking out and getting quite a lot of crap for it. But they kept speaking out, and they said, you know what, we're going to be 18 this year, and we're going to vote. So my answer, first of all, to anyone who's feeling a little bit beaten down by all of this is to vote and to make other people vote and help other people vote. And if Mm -hmm. you have a little bit of money, donate it to the ACLU, donate it to Planned Parenthood, which is under attack, donate it to transgender rights and gay rights organizations donated to everyone who's under attack under this administration. And mostly lead by example. Like every time I meet someone, I have a chance to show them that a gay woman can Mm -hmm. be smart, charismatic, charming, lovely, someone you would really like. Very often I meet people who maybe have never had a gay friend. Yeah. It's my chance to kind of woo them. And, yeah. you know, to, just by being out there and living my life out loud and proud, that has a light from it. And the more people doing it, the brighter the light. And the brighter the light, the harder it is to darken mm-hmm. it or to yeah. stamp it out. Yeah. I love that. I love what you're saying because when I think about the role models, I love that term, role model. Um, the people that, like you've just talked about, that have shown up courageously. Um, I and I think about some of the key phrases that the you know many of the youth don't know about today. You know, the minute that Gloria Steinem, you know, said to the women's movement, we're all lesbians. Oh, my God. Right. OK. Mm-hmm. So uh, little, little, little phrases like that's so powerful to make a point. And yet at the same time, what does it mean for us as individuals to be able to speak and speak honestly and truthfully and move beyond the fear? Um do you think we are uh, uh, on a scale, right, better off, worse off, different than years ago, not so long ago? You don't have to go back to the 70s, but even the 90s. Where, where, what's your barometer? What's your sense of this? I think that what's happening right now uh, is a little bit like the 60s. That unfortunately, really, really bad things have to happen get people upset and riled up enough 
to have something of a revolution. I remember being in the Women's March right after, you know, Dingleberry got in, and I'd never seen anything like that. There must have been 800,000 or a million people around me. I had no idea. I mean, there were moments when I had to close my eyes and take a deep breath because the crowd was so immense that it would have been easy to kind of get a little panicky. But the fact that all of the women and also the men that were in that crowd were so fueled with love and wanting it to be a better world, and if it was rage, it was all directed in the right way. You know, there wasn't any hostility anywhere, even with all those people. And I'm looking around at all of those people, mothers with their babies, old people, young people, every shape and size and color were there, and all of them were screaming out loud, you know, that we wanted our human rights, that we weren't going to take this crap. And I thought, you know what, if I have to find one good thing to say about the 45th president, then I'm going to say it's this, that he woke up a sleeping nation. We all thought Hillary was going to win. Of course we thought she was going to win. It made sense. She was the most qualified candidate in history, immensely qualified, immensely experienced running against the least qualified, least experienced candidate in history. I was a little concerned about the fact that there's a whole lot of people that simply weren't willing to have a female president. And I was a little concerned about the fact that there were an awful lot of racists out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that she would win. How could she not win? Well, you know Hmm. what? She didn't win. And she didn't win partially because she was a woman uh, or mostly because she was a woman partially because a lot of racists in the country were horrified that we'd had an African-American president for eight years, partially because a lot of Republicans will vote Republican, even if it's a zero-qualified psychopath. I mean, and a lot of people were angry at Hillary because they believe the crap that's been said about her forever, and perhaps some of it is right. I don't know. I'll never know. But I know that Millions and millions and millions of dollars were spent trying to discredit her, and it finally actually worked. Here we lost a really decent, wonderful candidate. But I digress. The good thing I can say about Dingleberry getting in the office was that rage woke up a nation. And I know Mm -hmm. 17-year-olds who didn't ever care about anything about politics, who probably Mm -hmm. never cared about voting, who were out in the street marching and have been mm-hmm. very much aware ever since. And I think that's similar in some ways to what happened in the 60s, where they were sick and tired of seeing their friends and family die in a war that we shouldn't have been in. The Vietnam War was just like a war that shouldn't have happened, and certainly not for as long as it happened. And they just decided they weren't going to take it anymore. So now we are at war with what appears to be a dictator who wants a dictatorship in this country, who Mm -hmm. has very high regard for the North Korean dictator and very high regard for the Russian dictator, and would very much like this country to treat him the same way, just Mm -hmm. yes him out of fear. Well, he's getting a lot of that. Most people are yesing him out of fear, because when you stand up to him, he meets you with an avalanche of fury and money and hate. But he's waking up a nation, and now we're, we're, we're woken up, 
we have to vote, we have to get other people to vote, we have to change the world, and not just for the gay community, for the immigrant community, for the trans community. We have so many people to save that have been in jeopardy since this guy mm-hmm. got in. You know, I, I think that it's so easy for us, and this is really where I'm a little bit on the fence. It's so easy uh, to point to this one man and say him. But I have to tell you, it is bigger than that. And the reason I say that, Chef, is because if if I go back to the world of uh, of uh, 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 Mr. Nixon, President Richard Nixon. Right. And I think about that for just a moment, just for a little moment. And I think about what it was at that time that we lived that disintegrated party differences, right? And brought people together and said, We've got to do the right thing. And I think when we talk about the great pride ride today, I think what we're doing is we're narrowing our focus to say this guy in the White House. And what I was talking with you about before was I let's not even talk about, you know, like what Republic. I mean, I'm just saying, where are the humanitarians? I I was looking online over the weekend and I was looking at um, a couple of the senators for Father's Day and uh, Congress people for Father's Day. And there were a couple of them that basically, you know, while everybody was, you know, kind of gathering around and, celebrating Father's Day, these people packed themselves up and uh, went to the camps. I got to call them the camps because they remind me of how we rounded up the Japanese after Pearl Harbor. I was thinking about that. They're the camps. Mm -hmm. They're the camps. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the last time in history, correct me, not a history buff, Benny, everybody may have to call in to correct me on this. I'm trying to remember the last time I recollect uh, a, a conscious global action to separate children from adults, and 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 I and here's where it is: Auschwitz, I, oh, Germany. Yeah. yeah, that's the last yeah. time that I could think about in in let's call it recent history because it is recent history. Mm-hmm. It is where. Because uh, I don't even think they did that with the in 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 the camps after world after Pearl Harbor, right in the Japanese camps in the ca- in the Japanese camps. Children, no. And so but they did the, do it in Auschwitz. Right. So when we talk about gay pride, here here's the question: really, is this is a an attack on the dignity of the human spirit spirit period, and in order to have an attack like this on the dignity of the human spirit, at, right? right. It's, it takes everybody to collude. Mm-hmm. So. You're right. Right? It, it's right. like. And you're right about what you said also, that it's not which just one? one person. About it's can't it's not be. just the, the president. It's a lot of people. It takes a lot of people to do wrong. It's America. Mm-hmm. We're, we're like America. Mm-hmm. And in America, 
people stand up for what they believe, right? So whether you believe it or you don't believe it, but I'm part of the media and I, I struggle to watch mainstream media. I, I think there's like one guy, maybe two now, on mainstream media that use the word liar. And it doesn't happen nearly enough. It really doesn't. But if we can't be vocal about things that are in our heart, I worry about gay pride. Do you know what I mean, Chef? I think there's a lot of people who are afraid. My girlfriend and I have been noticing recently that it seems like some of the major networks are very quick to censor anyone that is too aggressively lashing out you know, at, at the 45th president. And I think mm-hmm. people are afraid. They're afraid of the retaliation of this guy. And mm-hmm. it's like that even these things are being discussed is so terrifying that it's being, that it's being discussed, you know, could he just pardon himself? I'm like, what? Like, I can't even believe that we're hearing these things. What started to happen is things that would have shocked and horrified people a few years ago. Like if any one of the thousand of things that have happened lately had happened Mm. three years ago, people would have been shocked and horrified. If Mm -hmm. this was a Democratic president who did any one of the thousand things that this guy has done, Mm -hmm. he would have been run out of town on a rail. But unfortunately, there's too many people who are complicit. Like the way that Hitler was able to rise to power. Yeah, exactly. he first had a, he had a base that he was able to fire up. They were feeling kind of depressed because they'd lost World War I and they were having poverty and they were hungry and they were poor. And he was able to rile them up with things equivalent to make Germany great again, you know, make America great again. He riled them up. Then when he got them all riled up, a lot of the decent people in Germany started to realize that this is a really bad thing that was happening. But when they would speak out against him, they had a very good chance of being killed or arrested. Mm-hmm. And so they kept their mouth shut. Not all of them. Some of them were brave and wonderful. But unfortunately, not enough of them. More people kept their mouth shut and were complicit. And so if you're watching children and their parents be torn apart, if you're watching the world be killed, when regulations are lifted that save the rivers and the oceans, if you're watching transgender people be um, be disrespected and laws enacted against them and the gay community disrespected, if you're watching these things happen, if you're watching women's rights be taken away, then you, you're, you're the cause. You're just as much the cause as the culprits are because you're not doing anything. You're just standing there watching it happen. You're complicit. So... Hmm. Unfortunately, you know, it's very easy to, you know, put your fist in the air and say, you know, human rights are gay rights, gay rights are human rights, women's rights are human rights, human rights are women's rights, like all those things. It's very Mm -hmm. easy to put your fist in the air and announce those things when you're with thousands or hundreds or millions of people that feel the same way. But it's very hard to do it when you're in an area where you don't have that support. Um, that's really when it's needed. So we have to go out there to all the places that need us 
and spread our message that we're not going to take it, that we're all human and we're all equal, and we're not buying into this. And most importantly, for all of the complicit, frightened, cowardly politicians that don't do anything to stand up against the things they know are wrong, we have to vote them out. I mean, people that haven't done anything to stand up against the terrible things that are happening are just as complicit as the ones who are making those terrible things happen. Mm -hmm. We have to vote them out, and we have to vote in some brave new heroes, which, unfortunately, I think we have to get some new people that we haven't heard of yet into the mix because Mm -hmm. we're really missing our heroes. Mm. Not to say that they're not there, but we don't have enough of them. Well, I think it's an interesting question, too, is to look at, you know, the evolution of things, you know, because as we think about this, we think about where we are today, getting ready for the celebration, right? Some cities have celebrated this past weekend, but a large portion will be celebrating next weekend. Let's talk about the celebration if we could. But before I do that, I want to make sure for those of you out there, if you want to find out more, about Chef Rossi, if you want to find out about The Raging Skillet, go to theragingskillet.com, theragingskillet.com, or facebook.com, Chef Rossi, N-Y-C, Twitter, Chef Rossi. Um, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming excitement. So let's, let's do the right. juxtapose thing for a minute. So here we are, right? And what have we discovered this year in the midst of all this? RuPaul has never been more popular. Let's just start right. with that. Yeah. Uh, and what about the television series Pose? So here we are, right? You and I are talking about some of these hard times, but yet there's more of a rise in let's stand up. This is what Pride is about. And this is what we can do to change the world. Yeah, uh, right. and, and let's not forget in the conversation here, once upon a time, there was this thing called gay marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the fact that it's a reality is unbelievable. Yeah, yep. I'm, you know what I'm doing this weekend? Tell me. I'm catering a gay wedding on Saturday for mm. two adorable young men. And then on Sunday, I'm going to a gay brunch with my girlfriend and some of my good buddies. And then we're going to the Gay Pride Parade where we're going to cheer and queer and raise hell. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to take my rainbow beads and my signs that say Gay Chef Sizzle and Gay Caterers uh, heated up and go to a kosher, a galat kosher restaurant where I'm going to meet my Orthodox Jewish something <laughs> of a right-wing brother and his Orthodox Jewish family. I'm going in with my gay pride signs and my rainbow beads into this glad kosher restaurant. And I'm really actually looking forward to it because I think that that's going to be every bit as much of an empowering experience as it was cheering on the parade. And I've roped in my girlfriend to come with me. So I guess I probably (laughs) have to be very nice to her that day. (laughs) Well, you know, it's all part of the celebration. And it's part of being able to celebrate. So let's talk about that. You know, it wasn't too long ago where gay pride was not a point of celebration the way it is today. And I think one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had 
uh, well, there are two that come to mind. That is celebrating Halloween down in the West Village. That mm-hmm. That's like, oh my God, always at the top of my list of a memory. That was like basically the gay pride parade for a long oh time. Oh my gosh, it was, wasn't it? Uh-huh, it really was. <laughs> and then the other is what happens in San Francisco. Now, I'm not saying New York isn't right there, uh, or Seattle, for that matter. But something happens in San Francisco that is so unbelievable. I remember being there. I can't remember what year it was, though. And honest to God, so many people, you couldn't even walk. You couldn't even walk. And what I loved about it is it, we think about gay pride as a bunch of uh, people showing up and they're all gay. They're not. No. Let's just be very real. If no. you're hanging out in Seattle, that's not what you're going to see. What do you think about the fact that we are so surrounded these days by more people than we ever have that are beyond tolerance, beyond tolerance? You know, this is honestly a new conversation for us, isn't it? It's a it's new conversation. New it's a, this is a, this is, there are things happening over the last year that I didn't really think that I was going to see in my lifetime. Right. I mean, I, I had seen kind of hints of them in the 60s when I was too young to really understand them. I remember in the 60s, we were traveling around the country. We were always going around the whole country in a camper. And so <laughs> it was like my parents' best way to torture their children. And... We went, and we were always using public restrooms everywhere we went because everyone in my family always had to go to the bathroom. There were five of us. It was just every five seconds. It took us like 10 days to drive from New Jersey to Florida. Anyway, so we were driving around the South, and I remember we went by this gas station. And I guess what happened was that the gas station had a bathroom that said whites on it and a bathroom that said coloreds on it. And the law must have finally come out that made it illegal to do that, thank God. And so what the gas station did was they took down the signs, but they purposely left it so it had been painted around the signs when they were up, so you could still very clearly see the imprints left from the signs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I had never seen anything like that. I mean, we lived in New Jersey, so I hadn't seen anything like that. I was like what's going on? What's going on? I was horrified. Um, my mother was trying to explain to me how evil people could be, and she equated it uh, to what happened in Nazi Germany, that the oppression of the blacks in our country was not so different. So I was like, wow, you know, I was a little too young to understand, but I was getting how horrible it was. So I didn't see a lot of these kinds of terrible things to that level, um, in terms of extreme racism. But mm-hmm. then, not so long ago, when we had that horrible march and the men were screaming, Jews will not replace us. Do you remember the Nazi march that happened not yeah. so long ago? Yeah. In Charlottesville. And yep. our, our own president called those same Nazi marchers who were denouncing Jews very fine people on both sides. I'm sorry, but they were not very fine people on both sides. Because mm-hmm. 
if there were very fine people on the Nazi marching side and they didn't denounce Jews will not replace us and they didn't denounce the Nazis, then they were complicit, they were cowards, and they were just as bad. And that's what's happening lately. I saw that. I was like, I couldn't believe I was seeing that in my lifetime. And I couldn't believe that the administration didn't denounce them immediately, didn't jump out and, and speak with horror. But uh, he couldn't because he was playing to his base, and maybe some of those people were his base. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a terrifying time in the country. So if you see somebody being murdered, if you see somebody being attacked, being mugged, being violated, and you don't do anything about it, then you are just as guilty, I think, as the person who's done the crime, because you are complicit and you are a coward. And maybe you're not brave enough to go and confront the person, you know, like you don't want to get killed yourself, but then why aren't you taking out your phone and dialing 911? I remember in Crown Heights, I was too poor to have a phone, and One night, I was hanging my head out the window smoking. I smoked back then. And it was late at night. I was too poor to really do anything except hang my head out the window and smoke. And I saw a woman getting mugged by the sky. And the crime rate was astronomical back then. I think there were like 1,800 murders that year in Crown Heights, something crazy like that. So a couple of lights went on, and people sort of saw this woman was being mugged by this guy, and then they just turned the lights off. No one did anything to help. Nobody did anything to help anybody in the middle of the night in Crown Heights in 1981. So I thought for a second, like, certainly I couldn't go running down and confront the mugger. He'd probably kill me, too, you know? Yeah. Um, so out of my soul comes this scream, and I just hung my head out the window and like the loudest, wow. most blood-curling, horrifying scream you've ever heard in your life. I don't know where it came from. It came from like the pit of my soul. And then all of a sudden, a lot of lights started going on and dogs started barking and, you know, other windows were opening and the mugger was just like, he didn't understand what was going on, but he, he's like, I got to get out of here. He took off running. That's an example of not being complacent. Right. There, there is always something. You know, you just can't let evil wash over America. You know the show uh, Homeland? Have you caught yeah. that show at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. but they No, no, had, right. <laughs> they had the most powerful season on this year where I think that they had started filming it assuming, like everyone else assumed, that Hillary was going to win. So Mm -hmm. their season had a female president, a Democratic Mm -hmm. female president. And she was just attacked horribly the whole season. I mean, just all the things that probably... It's hard to watch. Hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. It's excruciating what she went through. And while you were watching it, you know it's pretty much what Hillary might have gone through, too. There were people lined, lined up to make her life a living hell. But... She exposed something that democracies are not so powerful as we think. Like, we think the democracy of America is so powerful, land of the free, home of the brave, all men are created equal, rah, 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 you know, we have our constitution, blah, blah, blah. Not so. Democracies are fragile. You get enough complicit people 
and one scary-ass dictator, you'd be surprised how fast that democracy could crumble. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of people invested in seeing that democracy weaken and seeing that democracy crumble. Like you know, wow. you know, Russia would love to see this democracy crumble. I'm well, sure I, North I Korea think Korea would too. I think that what we're doing is we're having a conversation about it, and I think it's very important. Um, and you know, not just about this conversation, but chef about what you do in the world. You know, you being out there, what you're saying, what you stand for, uh, the raging skill at the play, all of the above is a way to uh, be vocal. Thank you so much for today. Um, Thank you for connecting with us. I know we'll be talking again. One last question for you. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? I would say never, ever, ever shut up. And go see the play in Wellfleet, August 22nd at the Wellfleet Harbor Actors Theater. It's going to rock. Yeah. Chef Rossi, everybody. I'm Dr. Pat. For more information about me, go to thedrpatshow.com. And for those of you out there, you know, think about the world that your children and your grandchildren will grow up in. And think about what you want for them. Powerful, powerful voices, both for these young men young women for all of us. See you next time. You've been listening to Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Tune in on Transformation Talk Radio. And if you have missed any part of this, check it out at theragingskillet.com or transformationtalkradio.com. Say hi to Chef Rossi, let her know what's on your mind, and we will bring it to the next show. Visit theragingskillet.com, and don't forget to get your own copy of the hit memoir, The Raging Skillet by Chef Rossi. See you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.